0: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harpin, senior editor at Behind the Steel with you for another episode of Let's Ride. Your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast is a part of the Behind the Steel Curtain network of podcasts. Make sure you're following us wherever you get your podcasts. It's not just my show. It's the whole morning, noon, and afternoon lineup. You don't want to miss a thing. We have got you covered every single day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And it's all a part of and connected to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, which is the website. Make sure you're checking that out. It should be your one stop shop, as I always say, for Pittsburgh Steelers content. So it's Monday. Happy Monday. I hope you had a great weekend and At least for me, I did a lot of thinking this weekend. We've had some muggy, uh, it's not muggy, but really just kind of gloomy weather in the mid-Atlantic and Maryland recently, and it's forced us inside more often than usual. Been doing a lot of house projects, renovating a kitchen, not always goes smoothly, but still it's given me a lot of time where I'm kind of by myself and doing some thinking. And as you know, a lot of times my thinking leads to Steeler's Thoughts. Steelers topics for podcasts in other words and and that's that's how I come up with all these topics so I have a good topic I want to talk about today I want to kind of get that out there in the second half I do have a really good Monday morning conversation for you Uh, Mark Bergen of Believe in Steelers this is the guy you've probably seen him on social media a great great guy super nice very knowledgeable about the Pittsburgh Steelers does a show with Ike Taylor yes the former cornerback Ike Taylor. He gives some great insight, and I'm, I'm really excited to have him on in the second half. So stay tuned. Stay for the whole show. You don't want to miss that. Before we get into the topic for today, I want to talk about some news like I always do. So over the past two or three weeks, both of the Steelers starting outside linebackers, Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt, have gotten married. Congratulations to both of them. Uh, I'll be curious to see if the married life will help or hurt. (laughs) I laugh because uh, there's this theme on the golf circuit at PGA Tour mainly where once players get married, then they start to have families, their play just slowly declines. Jordan Spieth was at the top of his game, gets married, and hasn't won anything since. So, um, I hope that doesn't happen to Watt and Highsmith, but the one thing that I want to talk about is not the fact that they got married. It is the fact that I think that sometimes being a fan and calling yourself a diehard fan, uh, there should be limitations. There should be restrictions, so to speak. Uh, you, If you read the website, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, you will have noticed that there was not an article written about TJ Watt getting married. Uh, the reason why, I saw another website, not going to say what that site is. I saw it come out there, you know, that uh, TJ Watt got married, and I, I just clicked on the link. And they were sharing Instagram stories from players, wives, and other people that were at the wedding, on their Instagram stories, screenshots, and the whole thing I kept on thinking about. I kept on thinking about this is creepy. I mean creepy. To the point where after TJ Watt and his now wife, after they get hitched, they walk down on the beach by themselves, and there's people that are up on an elevated surface somewhere, are taking video and putting it out on social media. I'm thinking, oh, man, this is beyond creepy to me. And I'm sure fans love to see it, and it's great. And there were a lot of former players there, you know, Cam Hayward, Ryan Chazier, just to name a few. They were all at the wedding. But, man, that's I feel like that's one of those things. That's like that restricted area for fans You got to give the guy his personal life. Now, you can blame social media and say, well, so-and-so's wife shouldn't be putting this out there. I don't follow so-and-so's wife anyways. So keep – I just want to try to put this in perspective. These people do have their own lives. You want to let them have their own lives. If they they got married, congratulations. Wish you nothing but the best. But when it gets to the point where people are scouring social media posts to find out which players were and weren't there – That's a little much. That's a little much for me. I'm a big fan. I'm probably one of the biggest fans you'll ever hear talk, but yeah, I'm not doing that. Not touching that. Okay. Wanted to get that out there. Other than that, let's talk about this. I was, again, I've referenced, you know, the book Palomalu a lot because I wrapped that up for the. I'm so thankful I did. It's such a good book. And one of the things in the book, and something I spoke with another fan who lives in my town, my kids go to golf camp, shocker. And he's. His grandkids are there. He's a big Steeler fan. Come to find out, we went to the same college. He obviously graduated much earlier than I did. Uh, but still, he's a huge Steeler fan, and he was talking to me, and he brought up the the need and the desire to get back to what he called Steelers football. And this is something that Troy Polamalu mentioned multiple times to Jim Wexel in the book, and that was the formula for success for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was not throwing the ball a massive amount of times. Think about 2009 when they went so pass happy and they missed the playoffs. Roethlisberger turned the ball over a ridiculous amount that season. And he was mentioning, the got the, the friend of mine that's at golf camp where we wait for our kids. He was saying how that's what they need to get back to run the football, control the clock, keep the defense fresh. It all sounds perfect. It sounds like the perfect formula for success. And so I started thinking about this. And I'm thinking about two things in particular. And I'm going to ask Mark about this in the second half, see what his take is on it. Number one, can that style of offense be sustained in today's National Football League? That's the first question that I had. The second question that I had was, are the Steelers built? Do they have a roster that can actually achieve this goal? So I did some digging. If you read this, my letter from the editor that ran on Sundays runs every Sunday. Uh, I kind of talked about this. So I was curious. And you think about the past happy NFL, uh, teams that win the Super Bowl. I went back to the last five Super Bowl champions, and I looked at how did they rank in terms of rushing yards per game. Okay, rushing yards per game. Now, I could have taken this a step further. A commenter on the article actually did say, if you looked at time of possession, that might be a an equally significant stat to, guard, to take a look at based on time of possession is really what you're ultimately going for when they say, run the ball, control the clock. And I can go all the way back to Peyton Manning's time in Indianapolis when they would do that by the short little passes, moving the ball, dink and dunk, dink and dunk, dink and dunk keep you off the field. So that's something I could have looked into, but I didn't. I just looked at average yards per game. Here's what I came up with. In 2021, the Los Angeles Rams actually finished 25th in the league, averaging 99 yards per game. Go back to previous year. 2020, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the Super Bowl. They ranked 28th in the league in rushing yards per game with 94.9. These are all regular season numbers, mind you. In 2019, the Chiefs won. They finished 23rd in the NFL in terms of average yards per game and 98.1 yards per game. You have to go all the way back to 2018 and 2017. The the New England Patriots in 18, they were fifth in the league in rushing, 127.3 per game. And Philadelphia in 2017, They were third in the league with 132.2. The last three winners, though, the best finish they had in terms of ranking amongst all 32 NFL teams was the Chiefs in 2019, 23rd. So that doesn't really give you that one clear-cut answer in regards to, okay, this is not capable, it's not possible of being done. It can be done. It absolutely can be done. So I think when you look at the NFL... Yes, it's pass happy, but ultimately it comes down to controlling the clock, time of possession. That's really important. Now let's look at the second facet of this whole scenario. Are the Steelers built for it? So Najee Harris, he is, I think, a premier back in the NFL. He is a young superstar in the NFL. And I think the Steelers have a back that is capable of delivering what we're talking about. And that is not three yards in a cloud of dust, but a ground game that can consistently perform. Perform to the point where you're doing everything that we talked about. You're controlling the clock, you control the tempo, you keep the other team off the scoreboard based on the fact that you don't let them get on the field. And the defense is fresh. You have TJ Watt, Cam Hayward. Uh, all those guys are coming onto the field when they do get called into action, and they're not tired. They're not dead from only being out there three plays ago. They are actually fresh. I look at the interior of the offensive line, the Steelers, and Matt Canada. We know that Matt Canada wants to run the football. They didn't. They weren't that successful last year in doing so. But we know that Matt Canada, and I trust the people like Jeffrey Benedict and Kevin Smith who know more, way more about football than I do in terms of the X's and O's. The ultimate goal for Canada is he wants to establish the run. So he wants to run the football. And last year, we all heard the, uh he doesn't have the quarterback. He doesn't have the line. Well, they went out, the Steelers went out, and they actually invested heavily in the offensive line. You bring in Mason Cole, you bring in James Daniels, and now all of a sudden, you have options. You also have more experience, and you have... Proven starters at those positions. I'm not saying Mason Cole's guaranteed to win the center job. It could be Kendrick Green, but you have options now. Clearly, the Steelers like Dan Moore and they like Chukwukor. For they wouldn't have given Chukwukor for a three-year deal if they didn't like him. Whether you like him or not does not matter. The Steelers like him, so they feel strongly in that group, especially with those additions in the interior. Now, then, you always heard it was the quarterback. Roethlisberger, the quarterback, he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have the ability to get under center. And no, you're right. He did not have the willingness to take a snap under center unless absolutely necessary. He wanted to be in shotgun. He did not like running play-action passes where he turned his back to the defense. So Matt Canada is going to want to revert back to that. He's going to want a quarterback that can move that can run the ball if necessary, It can be a running threat in an RPO-style offense, can bootleg him out and let them take five, six, seven yards if if the play isn't there. He wants mobility at the quarterback position. Well, guess what? You have four quarterbacks on the roster, and every single one of them, in some way, is mobile. Mitch Trubisky can run. Kenny Pickett's more athletic and faster than you think. Uh, Chris Oladokun is very athletic, and even Mason Rudolph can move the pocket, can get outside the pocket, and make throws outside of the pocket. So you have now you have the quarterback, you have the offensive line. Do you have the running back? Well, I already said Najee Harris is the guy. Now some people might say, well, what about behind him? Normally, you want a stable of backs. What about behind Najee? Well, there's not much, at least what we know right now, which is Benny Snell Jr. And we also know, you know, Anthony McFarlane, very unproven. But ultimately, I look at this and say on paper, and we'll we'll know more when the pads get on in training camp and the preseason and obviously when the regular season starts, but on paper, well, this team is built to have a vast vast improvement in running the football in twenty twenty two. Will it be that old-school formula? Will it be that, yes, we're going to run the ball and we're going to just keep grinding it? I don't know if they're there yet. I'm not sure if they're there yet, but they should be markedly better. And this is also hinges on, does Najee Harris stay healthy? Does the offensive line avoid key injuries? Think about Kevin Dotson last season with the high ankle sprain where he missed a good majority of the season with that injury. A lot of things have to go right for the Steelers. This is not a situation in some teams where they're very deep at running back. I think about the Broncos last year with Javante Williams. They also had Melvin Gordon. It's very deep at the position. The Steelers are not that, at least not right now. Maybe there's someone that steps up. I don't care if it's Benny Snell or Anthony McFarland or even an undrafted rookie like uh, uh, Monteo I think it's Monteo Durant. I don't know whatever his name is, one of the two undrafted rookie free agents. Uh, if it's one of them, it's fine. The Steelers, though, they've they've built their offense to the point where Matt Canada does not have many crutches to lean on. We'll put it that way. It's time for him to get the offense right, and I think it starts by running the football. Does that mean that the age-old Steelers formula still works? I think it will always work. Running the football now... Do, When you tell them to run first teams, that's going to be rare and it's going to become more scarce in the NFL. But that old formula of running the football, establishing the run, that will always hold true. Can this team do it? We'll see. It's something I'm going to ask Mark Bergen here in the second half. Stay tuned. When we come back after this break, we'll have Mark Bergen of Believe in Steelers in the Monday Morning Conversation. We'll be right back. Steelers fans, ride or die crew. It's Monday. It's the second half of the show. It is time for the Monday morning conversation. And joining me this day is Mark Bergen of Believe in Steelers. What's up, Mark? How's it going?
1: Jeff, thanks so much for having me. It's the summertime, still a lot of time between the start of <laughs> training camp, not that much time. You know, preseason, regular season. Excited to talk some Steelers football with, with you here this morning.
0: I appreciate you taking the time. Mark doesn't, uh, he does a show, a podcast with Ike Taylor. My first question is, what's it like doing a show with Ike Taylor? And, uh, you know, he's such a, I mean, I I remember when he played for the Steelers, he, he was, he was one of the few characters that was very open about, I mean, we have Joey Porter and things like that. He was not shy about, you know, what he said and how he said it. And I remember the back and forth with he and Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco. What's it like with Ike Taylor every single week?
1: He's a master on the microphone. So my job a lot of times just to set up the scenario, paint the picture and get out of the way. I try to be (laughs) the stocked into his Malone. It's honestly one of my favorite things that I get to do each week, but because he spent all 12 years of his career with the, our beloved Pittsburgh Steelers with one of the best sports franchises in all of the NFL, the experiences that he has um, for me, there's not a scenario even in 2022 that he didn't live himself as a player. And it's also really cool too, because, you know, he started out his career before really social media took off. And then, you know, midway through his career, the advent of social media comes along. So he kind of played in both eras, uh, a lot more physical of an era. He played back then, but part of a lot of dominant defenses. And like I said, I mean, when you spend 12 years somewhere, there's not going to be a scenario that he's unfamiliar with and, that reflects now even in 2022 with where we're at in the NFL. And like I said, it's one of my favorite things that I get to do each week. He's the absolute best and the best co-host I've ever had in anything I've gotten a host or two in my career. So it's 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 the absolute best, Jeff.
0: Yeah. Do check if you've never checked out the Believe in Steelers podcast, make sure you do. But you know, before the Pivot podcast, which really made its rounds on social media because of Ryan Clark and Fred Taylor and Channing Crowder, and they had Mike Tomlin on, you actually had Mike Tomlin on prior to that. It was a really, really good interview. And like you said, you were just kind of, you kind of stayed in the background. I watched it. I I, I thought it was a great interview. You let Ike and Coach Tomlin have their time. But what was your main take? What were some of your takeaways after that? I mean, Mike Tomlin is very protective of his time. Uh, he will always go after you know, Ike Taylor calls him up. He's going to do what I, he's going to do something for Ike, obviously. And, and Ryan Clark, the same way when you were done with that interview with coach Tomlin, like, what were some of the takeaways from that interview?
1: Two things that really come to mind. Number one, in the short term, the biggest question I had that for this upcoming season was the decision to draft Kenny Pickett number 20 overall. And he even said like, look, this was a guy that was in our backyard played at Pitt. He's accustomed to playing Heinz field. We share the same building. So they kind of really knew that Pickett was going to be the guy because no one really expected him to still be there at number 20. And when he laid it out that way, and then you look at the fact that Tomlin's entering his 16th year, doesn't have a losing season on his resume, the Steelers aren't going to be at the bottom of the 2023 draft to get a blue chip, whether that's, you know, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, what have you in next year's draft. So The, you know, trying to figure out, okay, who is big Ben Roethlisberger's heir apparent, unless you're going to approach free agency or make a trade for a blue chip quarterback, those don't come around every single day. So that was number one in the short term is the decision to draft Pickett, And it makes a lot of sense. The fact that he said that they spent like 20 seconds on the clock and sent the the pick in. um, Inevitably, uh, Pickett's going to be compared to Malik Willis and some of the other quarterbacks in this draft, but they didn't go till much later in this past year's draft. And then number two, Mike Tomlin, again, entering year 16. And I'm just kind of looking at, you know, the forest between the trees, the landscape of the league. This is going to be the first season where on Thursday night, if you want to watch the Thursday night football game, you're going to have to watch on Amazon Prime unless your game is within market. So if you want to tune in and watch Al Michaels, and I believe it's Kirk Street's going to be the color man. It's yeah. going to be a really exciting a booth. You're going to have to go to Amazon Prime. I look at the Rams just coming off their Super Bowl title. Amazon tried to hire Sean McVay as a head coach. And I look at it from the standpoint of, okay, I know Mike Tomlin's in his fifties now, and he's been doing this for quite a while now, but if, and when he ever decides I've done what I needed to do to coaching, he could join any announcing booth, any color commentator, analyst, and make really, really good money. And particularly when these tech giants like an Amazon get involved, Apple could involve in, in streaming rights. When the, the agreements with the broadcast networks, talking to NBCs, the Foxes, the CBSs of the world, when their contracts are done and the streaming rights services want to get involved, they're going to be able to compete and offer money that the broadcast networks just don't have. The, the, the tech giants have infinitely more money. How this impacts the Steelers is I think it could get to the point where one of these tech giants come along and say, name your price, Mike Tomlin. We want to have you yeah. as an announcer because he has the gift of gab. And it's very, very genuine. Anytime he's in front of a microphone and to see that dynamic with one of his former players in all honesty, he has that relationship with Ike. So why would I stand in the way, but I'm not saying this is going to happen soon, but down the line, if he wants to, and Oh, you only have to really put in work and be somewhere one day out of of a seven day work week, they might make him an offer. He can't refuse. Again, I think he loves coaching, but in the next five, 10, 15 years, if Mike Tomlin wants to be an, uh, an announcer, an analyst, I think he would have great success at doing that. And he can name his price. I'll leave you with this too, because I've gone on long enough. Tom Brady getting what, like half a billion dollars when he hangs it up with Fox to fill the duo uh, with the departure of Aikman and Buck to ESPN's Monday Night Football. Like that's what I'm talking about. So like, that's my interpretation of what happened. I think he can stay the Steelers coach for as long as he wants to, but further down the line, Mike Tomlin, in a booth in front of a microphone, I think you'd have great success doing that as well.
0: Well, and you, you bring up Tomlin, and you know, he's now uh, he's going to surpass Bill Cowher's tenure with the Steelers this season in terms of longevity with the organization. And if you were there and paid attention when Cowher was at the waning years, you kind of saw it wear on him a little bit. It wasn't a shock when he said he was stepping down. I don't know. Tomlin still seems to have that, you know, energy, and, and we'll see if that continues. I know for me, Uh, you know, someone that's covered Mike Tomlin ever since he was hired in 2007. I think the best situation would be, you know, you talk about the Manning cast on Monday night football and how popular that is just to watch the Manning brothers sitting, watching a game. Give me Mike Tomlin in that setting. I think that would be so much more entertaining than him in a suit in a booth Mm -hmm. because he just seems like the more, the less formal it is, The more he opens up, I don't know, but you bring up a really good point about Mike Tomlin. So let me ask you about the quarterback situation since you brought up Kenny Pickett. Now, I I did happen to check your show and you predicted Kenny Pickett will be starting not at the end of the season, but midway through the season. Am I correct? You said week 10.
1: Well, that's just a a date that I have circled on my calendar. And I think it really depends on how the season goes along. Ike and I do believe that. Trubisky is going to be the guy at this point with Rudolph. We know what he's got as a quarterback. I think Mason Rudolph can be a serviceable backup in this league, but to be a long-term starter in this league and particularly with the talent at the AFC quarterback, uh, the quarterback position, maybe for a game or two, but for a full season, I just, we just haven't seen it to this point. Um, Trubisky, you're bringing in seven mil a year to the next two with incentives he's got a lot of starting experience in this league and a lot of young talent to where if it can come together and the offensive line can keep him upright, he can move around a little bit. I don't think that was particularly utilized in Chicago all that well. He can run the ball. He's got legs. And that's something that the Steelers haven't had with big Ben, who was a bit of a statue back there the last few seasons in the back nine of his career uh, is, you know, he's headed to Kenton, no doubt, but he's not the big Ben of old to where, can shrug off oncoming defensive linemen. So I think that's an element of the offense that the Steelers just haven't had, but I would think that it would be Trubisky. And then whenever Pickett is ready, you can bring him along. The reason why I mentioned week 10 is that's, coming off of a bye week So if you did decide him to start him, then you'd have an additional week to prepare. So like, that's kind of like if I were an odds maker, the over under kind of what I would set is that's the count. That's the date on the calendar that I have circled. But if Pickett's got the hot hands, let him play a lot easier said than none. I know we all want to see what Kenny Pickett can do. We're all going to way overanalyze what he does in the three preseason games. And I get it. He's the new shiny toys, the first round draft pick, but in an ideal situation, you play this out to almost what the Chiefs did with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. Remember, Alex Smith was a Pro Bowl quarterback, took the Chiefs to the playoffs too. Now, can he win you a Super Bowl? Can, can Mitch Trubisky make you a contender in the AFC? Probably not. But if he gets you to the playoffs, like what a great problem that that yeah. will have with to say the Steelers have a winning record and, and Trubisky's playing well. You ride the hot hand and you you hopefully he can fend off Pickett for as long as possible. When Pickett's ready, and if he shows that he is, I have no doubt that the Steelers will put him in there. But to say like week one, like I think the front half of the Steelers schedule is a lot more difficult than the back half. So when Pickett's ready, put him in a position to succeed. And if one of the quarterbacks does struggle, let pick Pickett deal with that. And especially, too, as the offensive line starts to gel, too. I think that's something that I, I'm really excited about all the skill position, guys, because yeah. Deontay Johnson's the elder statesman. And he's 25. So a lot of young talent. It's exciting. But got to gel together. It's an offense where I expect them to be, you know, come week 18, the end of the season, a lot improved and a lot better because they have the reps together than they are in week one.
0: For sure. When I think about the quarterback situation, if this deals, I think we're all leaning towards them going with Trubisky in week one. It just makes sense. You know, you don't want to thrust Kenny Pickett in a situation where he's not prepared. And then you get into, okay, if they go with Trubisky, I agree with everything you said about Mason Rudolph. If they go with Trubisky early, the only way that Kenny Pickett's going to see the field is typically if, like you said, something's going wrong. He's not playing up to snuff and they've seen it, they think Kenny Pickett could maybe give him a spark. And that's not going to be good news for the Steelers overall because you want, if Trubisky plays well and and Kenny Pickett sits all year, then that's fantastic. I'll ask you a follow-up to that, what, What kind of what we just talked about. If Trubisky does play well in the Alex Smith scenario and the Kansas City Chiefs that you mentioned, if he plays well and finishes the year and Kenny Pickett essentially is just learning, well, 2023, it's Kenny Pickett's job, right? You would would not have a competition between Trubisky. You took Kenny Pickett in the first round, 20th overall. That's your guy. Like, that's the future. Do you see that the same way I do?
1: You would think so. And kind of what makes this a little bit different than some of the old school quarterbacks. Like, I think of, like, Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Remember, there used to not to be a a rookie salary cap limit. So if you took a first round quarterback, you're paying him out the wazoo. You want the reason why you want to get a, a young quarterback on the field is if he's any good and if he's worth his his selection of where you drafted him in the first round, he's going to outperform his rookie contract pretty early on, and you can use the money that you would normally play for elite level quarterback play and allocate that money to loading up around said young quarterback to other position groups and you can build a stacked roster. It's a lot easier said than done, but we've seen this time and time again, where it's just like, it's ultimately a good problem to have, whether it's Rogers and far, big Ben didn't start right away in Pittsburgh. Uh, Patrick Mahomes came along. We're seeing it out in San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. Like it's ultimately a good problem to have, yeah. You would th- you would think so, and especially given what the salary cap is, because you're not going to be paying Pickett a fortune like you would back in the day. I think it was like if you go back, I want to say like Sam Bradford in 2008 yep. was like the last of the rookie quarterbacks that yep, were just that paid it. a ton of money. And if you and if you swung and miss, and you didn't hit on a quarterback, now I'm like I'm trying to throw a Bradford under the bus. He had a ton of injuries, but like you know the Jamarcus Russells of the world. There are several others to where. When there wasn't that salary cap structure in place for rookies and you and you missed on a quarterback, that would set your franchise back 5, 10, 15, maybe even 20 years yeah. because that's money that you have to play that player. And, and so that's kind of the, the thought process, I think, of, okay, let's get Pickett on the field and see what he's got because if you want to get back into contention and he's worth his merit of drafting him in the first round, you can then figure out what you need to do at the other position groups to get back into contention in the AFC.
0: I agree. There's some really good stuff there. Um, Let's go a different direction with the offense outside of the quarterback. Whenever you're talking about a quarterback situation that is in flux, whether, you know, the Steelers have one of three options, technically, Everyone wants to go back and point to what they call the old school style, the old school formula for winning football games on mm-hmm. offense. And that is run the ball, control the clock, keep your defense fresh. We know the drill. I'm not going to go as far as three yards in a cloud of dust. Maybe back in the Jerome Bettis days, but you know what I'm referring to. My, my, my question that I have for you is kind of twofold. The first part is, do you think that's still feasible in today's NFL that you can actually win with that style of offense or uh, and, and also, I guess I should say, secondly, do you think the Steelers have the roster to be able to do that and have a run oriented off? We know how they finished last season was not I think, 29th overall in terms of yards per game on the ground. They have the running back, but do they have the offense? Uh, what do you think about that? The old school formula?
1: I think it can work. Uh, obviously the rules have changed that favor offenses. And it's really a prove-it year for Matt Canada now that he does have new quarterback talent and it's not Ben's offense, but it's a weird dichotomy with the defense and you hopefully improve the front seven of leading the league in sacks, but being dead last in rushing yards allowed per game. But I look at the league overall with the Rams winning the Super Bowl, dominant defense with Heron Donald, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey. The year before that, when the Buccaneers won I know Tom Brady won Super Bowl MVP, but to hold Patrick Mahomes in that Chiefs offense without a touchdown in that game, um, the defense won that game if we're being honest of how the Buccaneers actually won. So, in the playoffs, when you can really scout teams, it's cold out. There's not the high flying fantasy football of when the weather is nice and receivers can fly around the field. It, it does kind of go back to more of that old school approach. So, Regular season, maybe not so much, but in the playoffs, like it was Aaron Donald who had to step up and make the play for the Rams. Like I know Cooper cup had a great game. I know OBJ before he got hurt was balling out too, but to me, it's that Rams defense of you have studs at every level of the defense and they're able to win it. you could say the same thing about the Buccaneers the year before in, in style of play and how you need to win certain games, certain games, you might need to have a shootout. Which the Steelers haven't scored more than 40 points in a game in several years now. Other games might be more low-scoring, control the clock. Um, one thing with the offense too, and this is probably my biggest concern going into this upcoming season. It's not quarterback play. It's not how the front seven is going to hold up, which I do expect to be better with the additions of Miles, Jack, bringing in Larry Oak and Joby, bringing in Brian Flores as uh, a linebackers as and assistant coach. But the biggest concern I have is. If Najee Harris doesn't stay healthy and you have the same workload he had a season ago, long term, that ain't going to be a recipe for success. Because he led the NFL on touches as a rookie, and correct me if I'm wrong, he only fumbled once all season long, and that was in the playoff game. Right. Yeah. To expect him to have that level of production again, I get that he will be the bell cow as a former first round draft pick as well. But who is the the Robin and Najee Harris is Batman? It's a question mark I had last year. It's a question mark I have this year, whether it's McFarland, whether it's Benny Snell, whether it's one of the uh, two undrafted kids that they brought in. Someone needs to step up in that role and, and give Najee Harris a blow when he needs it. And maybe they get into a rhythm and they get a hot hand. I don't want to see Najee Harris lead the league in touches. Some people are saying like, oh, 2,000 yard season from Najee. It's not that I don't think he's capable of doing it if his his line play is improved. But I don't want one single player carrying that workload, distribute that workload to where you keep Najee fresh when you need him in November, December, January, and hopefully February when you're playing for the Super Bowl.
0: Do you think the Steelers offense in what Matt Canada wants to do? I mean, we know it wasn't successful in 2021, but in what he wants to do or is capable with the the, the moves they made, Mason Cole, James Daniels, um, that they can control the clock, have a good run game. And I'm not even talking top 10. I'm saying middle of the road hmm. would be you give me around 15, 16th ranking on average yards per game. That's a good spot for the Steelers. It would open up a lot of avenues. Do you think they're capable of that this year?
1: Yes, because Trubisky as well, if he is, in fact, the starter, like I was saying, he can run. And when we talk about Lamar Jackson across the division, I'm not expecting Trubisky to be Lamar Jackson. But you gain an extra blocker if your quarterback is the one running a football. And what an advantage that that is for quarterbacks who have legs and know how to take hits and know when to slide and get down and get out of bounds and do the things to where they need to stay healthy but it's just an element of the Steelers that they have not had with Big Ben the last several years. Even if Pickett is the guy too, I think Pickett had eight rushing touchdowns in college. If you look at Steelers rushing touchdowns by quarterback. And again, it's because father time catches everyone. Ben played 18 years. He's headed for Canton, but it catches up with everyone. The, the threat of, of a quarterback running they, the Steelers have like the fewest rushing touchdowns by a quarterback in all of the NFL. It's an element of the offense that they haven't had. So with Trubisky, I mean, run RPOs, run some read options, run some design quarterback runs to where I'm not saying he needs to have the ball 20 or 30 times. He doesn't need to run wild like Jackson, but even the threat of that can help can help keep a defense honest. If Najee Harris was a pro bowl running back last season behind an offensive line, that's average at best i'm trying to be polite here like it, i would expect big things for him this upcoming season with improved line play too and the best way to improve is just to get more experience and more reps they're starting two rookies on the offensive line last year in Dan Moore Jr and Kendrick Green and then Kevin Dotson's a second year player the best way to get better is to get reps into gel together so hopefully they can build on that and I never want to see the Steelers finish dead last in the league in rushing, which is why they drafted Najee Harris. But really, if you look at the statistical categories, the only one that the Steelers really, really improved on last season from the year before when Randy Feekner was still the offensive coordinator was that rushing yard total. They committed to a little bit more, but they only averaged like 10 more rushing yards per game. Pretty much every statistical category was Along the same lines of when Fickner was the offensive coordinator, so like that is something that I want to see improve this season is to see that progress. And the hope would be is with the quarterback, where I'm saying, you know, I'm not saying Trubisky or Pickett's going to be Ben right away, but it's the the mobility that's where the league is headed in terms of can you extend plays with your legs, whether it's to take off and run or to get outside of the pocket and make plays and keep your eyes downfield to make plays. Ben, I love him. He's headed for Canton, but he just was not able to do that in the last several years as the Steelers quarterback.
0: All right, last question for you before I let you go, Mark. What are your overall expectations for the Steelers in 2022? You said you had some questions, and this is uh, the entire team. You could even throw in coaching staff if you want. What are your overall expectations? How do you think this year is going to look for the Steelers in 2022? I've got them
1: at 10 and 7, so Mm. I have – It cracks me up when I do see the over-under in the last two years. The Steelers' over-unders have been very low. Seven
0: and a half. (laughs) But I look
1: and it's not in Tomlin's resume. Go back to the 2019 season when the Steelers finished 8-8 and with Rudolph and Duck Hodges as their quarterbacks, and they still found a way to get to 500. And that, to me, signaled like how great Mike Tomlin was. I go back to something he said a few years back. He's talking with Chase Young of Washington, who is one of the top picks in the draft. And he looks at me and goes, I never am in a position to draft the guy who looks like you. So I look at the over under win totals and I laugh every year. And it's like, look, put some money in your pocket, hammer the over because it's not in Tomlin's resume. And how many other teams would love to be in that position? Like, I know everyone's frustrated the last several years of Steelers not having playoff success. And it's been like, what, five years now since they won a playoff game. But How many other franchises would love to be in the same spot as Pittsburgh? And there are many. I'll go to one other thing. We had John McClain of the Houston Chronicle on our show probably a year, two years back. And we were talking some before the show. John has covered the league for more than 45 years. And he's telling me where it's like, look, if Mike Tomlin and the Steelers ever decided to part ways, By sundown on the same day, Tomlin would have a job as a head coach with one of the other 31 teams. So in a certain in a certain scenario, Tomlin's like a victim of his own success. But um, again, I'm expecting like a 10 and seven season. Maybe I'm a little bit overly optimistic, but that losing season isn't in Tomlin's resume. We'll see what happens because Cincinnati's coming off the Super Bowl run who knows what's going to happen with Cleveland and the Deshaun Watson mess, but then the Ravens are going to be much improved. Lamar Jackson's healthy. Again, they get a lot of key players that were hurt and missed significant time last year. Their two running backs, Ronnie Stanley, along the offensive line, their corners, uh, they had a linebacker out too. So it's going to be a very competitive division again, but you know, everyone always wants to act like the sky's falling in Pittsburgh. I think they made a lot of really good moves to upgrade their team and continue in the right direction. I've got them at 10 and seven. I would love to see a playoff win too. I think that's kind of, if they won a playoff game and no in Pittsburgh gets Lombardi trophy or bust, but if they won a playoff game this year, I think that would be a significant achievement for this team in this roster.
0: Some great points. I will say I live in Maryland. And so the Lamar Jackson it, the Lamar Jackson situation contractually with Baltimore is pretty ugly. It's just not yeah. getting any coverage because of Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. So if you That's, pay attention, there's a lot of issues there between Jackson who represents himself, by the way, doesn't have an agent and the Ravens. No one's talking about it, but you brought it up. That's 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 something for another show altogether. But Mark, I'll give you a chance to plug your stuff, your show, your social media platforms, whatever, before we let you go. Go ahead and do that.
1: Appreciate that, Jeff. And thank you for having me on as well. Again, Mark Bergen with the Believe in Steelers podcast. I host the show with two-time Super Bowl champion and 12-year veteran Ike Taylor. And right now we're weekly. Once we get into the season, we go twice a week. So we'll have a Monday recap show, Friday preview show for the weeks ahead. So right now in the off season, still, we're, we're getting there. I'm not trying to wish my summer away, but I cannot <laughs> wait for the upcoming season. Uh, we, you can listen to our show, Believe in Steelers. That's B-L-E-A-V for the Believe Network, uh, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, however you listen to your podcasts. We also live stream Facebook, YouTube. You can check us out there too. But Jeff, uh, thank you for the opportunity to come on. Uh, it's this, this was a lot of fun. Anytime you want to talk Steelers, it's like, all right, when and where I'm there.
0: Awesome, man. Thank you. Have a good rest of your summer and we'll be in touch.
1: Jeff, thanks so much.
0: All right. Thank you to Mark. I, w- I hope you all enjoyed that interview. I know I did. And uh, it's it's good to get a Monday morning conversation. We didn't have one last week because of the 4th of July holiday. Only a few more left during the season. I don't tend to do this uh, Mondays, especially after a game that's when I do my winners and losers. I talk a lot about the game, and so this is kind of like the off-season thing, the Monday morning conversation. Maybe I'll find a way to get an interview or two in. Uh, maybe it'll be on Wednesday. We'll make change the name. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. But I hope you enjoyed the show. hope you have a great Monday, good start to your week. I'll be back on Wednesday, so look out for that tweet on Tuesday. You can follow me on Twitter, at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N, underscore P-I-T, I'll send out the tweet asking for questions for the mailbag. You ask, I will answer. There's that. All right, folks, have a great start to your week. You know we finished it out. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. See you on Wednesday. Go Steelers.